0: Despite a career night from Jonas Valanciunas, the Pelicans fall to the Milwaukee Bucks and are now on a four-game losing streak. Is it time to panic, or is this just a tough matchup for the Pelicans? Plus, you can clearly see some mistakes New Orleans is making. Let's break it down in today's episode of Locked On Pelicans. Let's go! You are Locked On Pelicans. Your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network your team every day. Available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with y'all on this Tuesday, day after the Pelicans fall to the Milwaukee Bucks, 128-119. Disappointing game that would have been a blowout loss if not for 37 points from Jonas Valanciunas. We'll get into him in the second segment because he was excellent in this. And it shows you different ways New Orleans can use him and his value to this team. But I want to look at this loss in particular to open the show. And then in the third segment, we'll get into some lineups and look at CJ McCollum as well. Because I found this game to be very, very interesting, particularly as part of this four-game losing streak that New Orleans is on. And of course, thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for you all, breaking down everything you want to know about the team, the good, the bad, what we see from the games, breaking it all down here. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Today's episode of Locked On Pelicans is brought to you by PrizePix. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. That's prizepix.com, promo code LOCKEDON. So let's get into the 128-119 loss for New Orleans. A game that they got it to within three in the fourth quarter and were just unable to overcome that, eventually falling by you know almost double digits there. And it wasn't a game that was particularly close. The Bucks started to really run away with this one in the second half, and New Orleans didn't have an answer for it. And to be honest, more so than the Utah Jazz, this is the team that I feel has... New Orleans' number. This is the team that I feel, the Bucks led by as many as 18 in this one, really is a bad matchup for New Orleans. This is a very tough one for Zion Williamson. He can usually go through people, around people. One thing he does struggle with is length. And the Milwaukee Bucks have that everywhere, right? They have it everywhere. And they didn't even have Chris Middleton in this game. Giannis, with his wingspan, is insane, you also have Drew Holiday, who is good length there, who guarded Zion a lot. We'll get into that in a second. Brooke Lopez at center, who's a good defensive center, who also stretches the court offensively for them too, right? They can bring in guys now, like Joe Ingles, Pat Connaughton, and others, and all in Bobby Portis. It's a lot of length everywhere, and it's just very clearly a tough matchup for New Orleans. I don't have some of the specific numbers here, but... New Orleans couldn't get into the paint at all, particularly in the first half. What kept them in this game was three-point shooting, particularly from Valanciunas, who made six threes in the first half against this Bucks team. New Orleans had 42 points in the paint, which is low for them. They just couldn't get inside. And early on, particularly in that first half, you saw Zion unable to get anything going. Anything going. He was two of three for six points in the first half. He didn't even want to test going into the paint. He had four turnovers in this one. This is just, in my opinion, a bad matchup for New Orleans. And three-point shooting going 11 of 23 in the first half with six of those 11 coming from Valanchunas is what kept New Orleans in the game. And like that's not going to be the norm. You can't rely on a 37-point explosion from Je- Valanchunas and six made threes and a half to keep you in a game. The way I look at this one They should have been blown out. This should have been a 20-plus point loss for New Orleans if it wasn't just for that kind of run they had. It's a tough matchup. They can put a guy like Drew Holiday, who's an excellent big defender, on Zion. And when he does that, even though he can overpower him at times, Drew's hands are so good he pokes the ball free. And it doesn't work. Or they can switch and they can put a guy like Giannis on him or Lopez on him or Bobby Portis on him and that length bothers Zion a lot. We don't need to get into the refs a ton here. They weren't great either. That doesn't help things. This with that length is just a really bad matchup and it wasn't until the fourth quarter and midway through the fourth when Zion really got going and he seemed to have a couple of things click. I don't know if this would have worked all game, certainly, but he started going in the fourth where he had nine points and you could see him starting to score and starting to get into a groove and just doing the things that make Zion Zion. And one of the things he recognized was early offense. Just get out and move, get into early action, early sets, or push in transition and try and get easy offense when they don't have guys switching on to you, when they don't have someone like Giannis camped out in the lane as a help defender. Giannis wasn't the primary defender for Zion a lot of the time, but he was ready to step into the paint and get his arms in the way. That's tough. Like, I, I don't know what else to say to something like that. This is this is the game. This is the team that I find to be a very bad matchup for New Orleans. I think the Jazz are a team they can easily beat. It's just this one with the length and the different looks that they can throw at Zion and the, that length are going to really screw him up, and it did. And when he found early offense and really pushed things, drove and attacked very quickly and decisively, good things happened. When he waited or was a little bit hesitant, which you saw actually late in the fourth, that's when, nope, they can get in position. They can defend you. And that's what a good team does. They're the top team in the East right now. They're a title contender with a former MVP on there. You know, I don't think losing to them is necessarily the worst thing in the world. I don't think that now you're on this four-game losing streak to good teams. It's time to panic. Certainly, there are disappointing things, and I want to get into some of those rotation lineups that you see really don't work and kind of question the decision-making of the coaching staff there. We'll get into that in the third segment of today's show. But I wouldn't panic after this loss. I think it's important to kind of keep that in perspective. This is a very good team. I think you can say if you really want to kind of be a downer after a loss like this, if you want to react negatively, I think it might be safe to say that Pelicans aren't a true title contender just yet. You know, with that big blowout loss to the Boston Celtics earlier on in the season than this one to another title contending team makes you go, maybe not. Maybe they're not there yet, but there's a couple of winnable games coming up here for New Orleans, Spurs, Thunder, and then the Pacers. You can win those. You should get Brandon Ingram back soon too. That would help, but I don't know if he would have won you this game either. Though his mid-range shooting would have been a big important thing for New Orleans. So I'm not ready to panic yet. It's not great to be on a three-game losing streak, but a little bit of adversity isn't terrible. If you can get off this slide, all will be okay. But losing to the Bucs, good team. It, it's about right, particularly a team that I look at, and it's just a matchup nightmare for New Orleans. And you saw it in this one. This should have been a twenty point loss, and if it wasn't for the heroics of Valentunas, well, that's probably what it would have been. He is the reason at least for three quarters, that this game was close with Zion really kind of trying to make it a game in the fourth. But let's look at JV coming up because he was outstanding in this and did some things that basically haven't ever been done in the NBA before. And that's a pretty cool thing. Something he should be really proud of after a couple of games of struggling. Let's look at that coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. Before we get to that, though, today's episode of Locked On Pelicans is brought to you by Prize Picks. You probably should have taken the over more than the twelve and a half points that Jonas Valanciunas was predicted to go out and score. You probably should have taken more than five and a half assists for Zion Williamson as he was doing everything else he could to keep this team into the game. And if you think you know these things are common, well, you can make some money over at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. You pick two to six players, and if they go score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. And you're not competing against other people, it's just you versus the projections available. And that is your best thing about this. You're not competing against others. It's so much more important. I love that because you're not playing against people who do this for a living. It's just you versus the projections. And Picks offers projections on any sport that you watch. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. They also offer safe and fast withdrawals and they're currently operational in over 30 states in Canada. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on if you deposit 100 price picks will give you 100 don't forget enter promo code locked on and sign up for an instant deposit match up to 100 dollars Today's episode of Locked on Pelicans is also brought to you by Turo. Turo is the world's largest car sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want whenever you want it from a community of local hosts. Browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the US, UK, Canada, and Australia. Book a spacious SUV or minivan for a family road trip. Get a classic or a luxury car for a special event, birthday, or holiday. And find an affordable economy cars if you're on a budget and just need to get from A to B. Or test drive that new car to see how it fits your everyday life. Many Turo house can even deliver the car right to you every trip is backed by liability insurance terms conditions and exclusions apply forget boring rental cars and find your drive at turo.com and thank you for making locked on pelicans your first listen today and every day we're here monday through friday for y'all breaking down everything you want to know about this pelicans team Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And now for your second listen, go check out Locked On Sports today. The biggest stories around the sports world in 20 minutes or less, plus instant reactions, game recaps, and Locked On's take of the day. Locked On Sports available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so the Pelicans should have lost by a whole bunch of points. And they didn't. It was kind of close because of the heroics of one player, and that was Jonas Valanciunas. Uh, the stat line really speaks for itself, right? 37 points, 7 of 10 from 3, which is just a ridiculous thing to say. 18 rebounds, 6 offensive rebounds, 12 defensive boards, 5 assists, 2 turnovers. Dude was just fantastic. He was on one and he decided he wanted to go out and score and was. And look, he's the first NBA player to have at least 37 points, 18 boards, and seven threes in a game. He's the only, he he joins Carl Anthony Towns and James Harden as the only players to have at least 37 points, 17 boards, and seven made threes in a game. 18 boards really puts him above everything. It's, it's incredible. It's just incredible. He was on one in this game and was looking for his shot. And once he realized he couldn't miss, he was taking other things. Mid-rangers too. He was 14 of 24 from the field overall. It really shows you his importance, right? This is a guy who I think has struggled a little bit the past couple of games. Maybe he's in his head a little bit or realizes he's not one of the top options for New Orleans and kind of gets away from himself, right? Kind of is like, all right, they're not going to use me. I'm not going to go out and be aggressive. But when his shot's fallen like that, he kind of realized early on what he needed to do, and he was excellent. In the first half alone, he was doing everything he could, and New Orleans was feeding him the ball, and they needed to feed him the ball. He scored 28 first-half points, 8 rebounds. They needed a guy like that to just realize this is a tough one. The matchups weren't there elsewhere, that he was going to be left alone on the perimeter for three, so he should shoot. Shows you that he's got some touch. He's developed that three-point shot and spin much more consistent since he's been here in New Orleans. The rebounding was a nice touch, too, after a couple of games where we wondered if defensive rebounding was going to be a big issue. It really wasn't in this game, for the most part. I thought the rebounding was fine, and Valanciunas getting significant minutes. He played 37 minutes, right? I don't have the numbers in front of me, and I'm about to sneeze. But I do think that it was one of those things where this is probably the most he's played. I'm getting like a million text messages right now from people for some reason over this game, maybe because they found it as interesting as I do and it's throwing me off here. So I'm going to flip my phone over. You know, I think that's probably the most minutes he's played and credit to Willie Green for realizing he needed to ride this guy. This is not something he likes to do. He likes to play JV less than 30 minutes. When you realize that's the guy who's scoring the hot hand, we've lamented that they sometimes get away from that. To stick with Valanchunas and make him a focal point I thought was a really good decision and it's one of the reasons why New Orleans was in this game. The rebounding was there too. His presence does help with that. You know, they like to try and finish small, go with Larry Nance Jr. and I think that's fine as well, but sometimes you just need the big man out there to go and get those boards and he was capable of doing that. There's still some weird fit offensively at times, but when he's shooting threes, he was spacing the court for Zion Williamson, as you saw the Bucs kind of worried about him late in the fourth quarter as Zion was trying to drive and attack. And he also showed you his importance defensively. At one point, they subbed him out, and then Willie finally went with a Zion at the five lineup, and it was kind of predictable what happened. Giannis came through the lane and just threw down a massive dunk, and there was no rim protection. There was no resistance at the rim whatsoever. It was kind of predictable. You should have probably been able to see that coming. You saw Valanciunas come back in. You saw Billy Hernan Gomez play in this game, but not really the same effect as Valanciunas. He had five points, one rebound in almost 10 minutes. Valanciunas is a different animal. He can go out and he can score. And there's been a couple of games this season when he's really carried them. He basically won the second game of the season for New Orleans by himself over Charlotte. This one, 37 points, 18 boards, 5 assists. He's a very good player. And sometimes you've got to wonder if they just need to make him more of a focal point, particularly with Brandon Ingram out. I'm not saying he's a long-term answer at center, I don't think they necessarily need to trade him unless the exact right deal comes along, because I don't think he's part of the problem. And I do wonder if a game like this is going to make Willie Green realize maybe you need to play him more and can close with him, even though Willie's preference is to close with a small ball-ish lineup with Larry Nance Jr. as your small ball five. Again, there's no right or wrong answer, but playing it by matchup really might be the correct move. And you could see in this one how much Jonas Valanciunas matters. That three-point shooting is kind of big. You, A lot of people have clamored for Miles Turner, and we'll do an episode on him somewhat soon, I think. You know, you look at the three-point shooter like, I want that guy, right? I don't think his three-point shooting from Turner is that is particularly great or consistent. It's not consistent from Valanciunas either. But Valanciunas does have the ability to get hot. And you could see in the fourth, it did open things up for Zion, gave him a little bit more space for him to see those creases in the defense and attack him and push really quickly. And it worked. And then the rebounding is also a very, very good thing too. And he punished some of those you know, other switches when they were putting other guys on Zion. All right. Well, if you want to put Portis there, he can kind of fill that gap and be that guy. And you saw a couple of assists from Zion to Valanchunas there where JV had an advantage over a smaller defender or the attention that was paid to Zion. And being in the dunker spot, being able to just go up and score like that works. Having a guy that you can rely on, a center that you can rely on, They can go out and potentially get you 20 plus points if you need him to. That's a big advantage. Look, Hernan Gomez will get you 10 and 7, 10 and 8. But I don't know if you're going to see him go for 20, 25, right? You know JV can do that. Still a very useful player even if at times the coaching staff seems like they don't want to use him or his fit is questionable or you want to put him on the trade block. This game would have been a blowout without him. You got to give him a lot of credit for really rising to the occasion. Hearing maybe a lot of the chatter on Twitter, I don't think he's actually looking at all of that, but really was there and ready to go in this game when Zion couldn't get anything going really whatsoever. Now, part of the reason the Pelicans couldn't get anything going was some of the lineups they were using were probably too defensive focused. This is something that Willie Green's done a couple of times that makes me worry a little bit that's coming up here next in today's episode of locked on pelicans before we get to that though today's episode of locked on pelicans is brought to you by betonline.net betonline.net is your number one source for sports betting info stats news and analysis so you can get all the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to college bowl season to basketball they've got it all over at betonline.net It's the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info that you could want. NBA futures, you want Zion MVP odds. Still not the worst thing to try and consider. So head to the website today. You can also get there on your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action happening over at betonline.net. BetOnline, where the game starts. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for you all, breaking down everything you want to know about this Pelicans team. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube as well. Now for your second listen, go check out Locked On Saints with host Ross Jackson breaking down everything black and gold. They won! That was really cool. He's going to break it all down, right? What's the future hold? Like, Is, the, you know, is Andy Dalton the answer at QB next year? Do you have to look elsewhere? That's kind of what I want to know the most. Ross is doing that, giving you QB prospects, ways they could address kind of that situation. Go check out Locked On Saints. Make it your second listen. So I want to look at some of the lineups that Willie Green was running out there. It was very clear that they didn't have a great answer for Giannis. And no one really has a good answer for Giannis, right? And it seems at times that Willie Green is so worried about what the opponent is doing off on offense and is so focused on defense that he puts lineups out there that make you just go, huh, what's going on here? You know, when they run out a bunch of non shooters around Zion Williamson and try and slow down Giannis, don't do a good enough job of slowing down Giannis because one, it's probably not the answer. You know, you're not going to, you're not really going to limit him. And then you know, the Bucks make a shot, they get down the court, and there's just crap, kind of, is what you've seen at times. And it doesn't really work, and you saw it at times in this game. Najee Marshall was one of six, one of six from three. That was what he shot on the night. There were times when he was out there, when Herb Jones was out there, when Zion was out there, when Billy Hernan Gomez was out there. I can kind of go on and on and on with some of these combinations. When Dyson was there, and it's just not enough, offense. There's not enough shooting. What I think they really need to start looking at is really linking Trey Murphy's minutes with Zion Williamson's minutes. You have to make teams pay when they double Zion, when they camp a guy in the paint to be a help defender that's there immediately. There are a couple of actions, particularly in the fourth quarter, that you saw New Orleans struggle. And Zion's handle is good, but not amazing at times, and this leads to it. It was Zion with the ball, going point Zion, and then Herb Jones setting a screen for him. And they're doing this inside the three-point line. You have Giannis defending Herb. I forget who Zion's defender was. It might have been Drew Holiday. And what happens here is Giannis just backs on up backs on up into the paint and is just waiting for Zion to drive while you have Drew Holiday on him because Herb Jones is not an offensive threat enough for the bucks to want to deal with in fact if you go back and watch a lot of these game a lot of this game he's wide open on the three-point line and they're literally just not paying any attention to him now he had two threes he was two of eight give him credit for taking those shots but he wasn't making the bucks pay and the bucks had no respect for his offensive game in this one so you have Giannis down low, you have Drew Holiday doing it, and Zion has to attack the basket and just runs into a bunch of arms that are all straight up and loses the ball or, or misses a shot and what have you, and it doesn't work. If you run that with Trey Murphy, can you do it further out? You know Giannis wasn't getting called for a defensive three-second violation because the pick was coming right at the free throw line, so you you know is the guy's guarding is in the paint. He can do this. He can just camp out there. I counted at one point. It's like eight seconds as they're trying to kind of run this action because it was just so close to the rim. The spacing was all mucked up. Can you do that more with Trey Murphy? And can you run it out at the three point line or even further than that and make Trey a threat out there? Can Giannis really sag off of Trey Murphy if that's the action they're running? Or can any defender do that? Probably not. You know, Trey Murphy didn't score particularly well in this one, 13 13 points, just one of three from deep, but he did get to the line and was aggressive. If Zion has to kick it out to him or Trey rolls to the rim, we've seen it. He wants to be in the dunk contest. He can rise up and throw it down. Is that maybe a better combination of things to try and do? Can you put a guy, and I don't necessarily know if they should do this, like CJ out there too, Dyson Daniels, and at least have some more offense. Because, look, you didn't you didn't slow down Giannis. If this worked and Giannis had an off game, I'd say, cool, it was fine. But the results kind of speak for themselves. 42 points for Giannis. Brooke Lopez had 30 in this one, too, because they were leaving him wide open. Clearly, their defensive lineup wasn't working when the Bucs almost scored 130 points in this one. So why go with a defensive lineup that's not actually making defensive stops and not giving you anything offensively either? It it kind of compounds it on itself and hurts you a whole lot more and those are the things that I kind of question of what is New Orleans doing right here that's where I find things to be a worry and those are the type of things one Brandon Ingram helps with he's got length he's become at, at least a, a a neutral to plus defender The shooting is important there. The offense is there. They don't quite have it with a lot of other guys, so they're still clearly missing Brandon Ingram, and hopefully he comes back soon. But some of the lineup choices are, uh, wait a second here. Like credit for Willie Green for putting Trey in the starting lineup, but maybe you need to give him more than 28 minutes. The defense is struggling a bit right now. You know, clearly you haven't found the answer for that. Maybe you need to put more offense just out there on the court, and that could be an important thing. You know, CJ, I thought, actually started getting it going. 31 points on 24 shots for him. That's great. Six of 10 from three. Give me that. Nine assists, eight rebounds. He was good. It was nice to see him going. And his mid-range jumper was there, particularly in the fourth quarter. And late in the game, as New Orleans tried to get into this one. And credit for them for not giving up. Credit for CJ for trying to go out and make shots. He was two of five from three in the fourth quarter. Six of 10 overall. Realizing he needed to go out and score 14 points from him, giving, taking what the defense gave him, which is that mid range shot, a little bit more offense and other threats would have gone a real long way. Trey Murphy, one minute. In 12 seconds in the fourth quarter, it seems like you need more than that. Really needed another shooter out there to try and make the Bucks pay. Pels were 3 of 13 there. Something they need to look at. That's two straight games with no Trey Murphy pretty much in the fourth quarter when his shooting, the threat of him shooting, probably makes your life easier on other players. Something to look at. You have winnable games coming up. New Orleans has a chance to get back on the right track. We're going to have a little bit of fun throughout the rest of the week and, of course, the game on Thursday. Let me know. What what did you see from this game? What concerned you the most from the Pelicans this game? Was it the defense? Was it the lineups? Was this one just a bad matchup? Let me know in the comments down below on YouTube, and that's going to do it for this episode of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all so much for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and I'll be back with you all tomorrow.